And welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. So glad you could join us. He's Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You could also chime in via Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. We'll recap all the latest news from the team pressers that happened earlier today. The team is going to be practicing indoors today because of the threat of thunderstorms. So that means that the 24-hour autograph session for Paul Dettino will have to be delayed for another <laughs> oh day. Oh, my goodness. Uh, very sorry to report that to the Giants fan base. I know those of you who came from out of town, all the miles oh, you drove, the hotels my. that you booked. Paul, I mean, the sacrifices that all of these individuals made and to let them down because you were going to be stuck indoors on the inside today. It just my heart is with all Giants you know, fans. Do, I haven't done like this show. That off the I haven't done this first? show in a few days, and I come back and I immediately get abused. So well, uh, maybe, but I'm maybe the gift that keeps on giving. Maybe that's all. it's just time that that happens again. Uh, a couple of business items we do have to get out of the way, though. Oh, and you indeed, actually want to talk about meaningful topics? On the I show? do. Okay. I do. I wasn't aware. Uh, Sounds good. So, so yes, they are going to be in the field house today. So all of your tickets that were uh, given out for today's practice, uh, not going to be able to use them. Uh, we will figure out what's going on later on if they open up another practice for the fans down the road. But right now, uh, today's practice is closed to the public. Uh, number two. Uh, tonight, MSG's uh, Giants training camp live comes back for another hour. Uh, we will nonetheless have coverage beginning at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time tonight. I believe you can also watch the show on your Giants app if you're out of the area. And if you know you don't get MSG on your cable system or your satellite dish, you can uh, get it on your computer or your phone on MSG Go, I believe is the app. And so um, we certainly will continue to bring you all the Giants coverage that we can, despite the fact that the weather is not cooperating. Now, in terms of the pressers, Pat Shermer, Daniel Jones both spoke to the media earlier today. I think one of the most interesting takeaways from what Daniel Jones told reporters is the fact that, you know, he doesn't shy away from really evaluating his own play, Paul, and putting himself under the microscope and saying, hey, these are the things that I need to approve upon. These are the things that I need to do better. And one of the things he pointed out was he said, the offense is continuing to install new and newer plays. So he's digesting that. Then the defense is also continuing to install new plays for themselves. So he's constantly getting different looks in practice. And, you know, he admitted, he said, hey, sometimes it's a little overwhelming because, you know, you're trying to get a grasp of the offense at the same time you're trying to react on the fly to what the defense is throwing out at you. And I think a number of rookies, the reason I bring that up, Paul, they tend to shy away from, you know, being forthcoming to the media and saying, hey, you know, these are the things I need to work on. They like to keep things close to the vest. And Daniel Jones doesn't seem to shy away from admitting, hey, you know, these are the things I'm monitoring. These are the things I'm noticing. And I hope to continue to improve on a daily basis. He's a humble and modest guy. Yeah. And when he had his presser last week, usually the quarterbacks will talk once a week. He came right out and said, look, I know that I'm a rookie and there are going to be many ups and downs during the course of what we're trying to do here. And I know that. I understand it. I'm aware of it. I'm ready to admit it because I've got to stay on an even keel. If he goes up and down with every up and down, that's not going to work. He gets it. And I know that that comes directly from probably the David Cutcliffe training as well as Eli Manning training, that you must stay even keel at all times. It is the best long-term plan to succeed. 
the valleys and the peaks, well, you know what? They're going to be there. You just have to be able to keep it calm. And um, I think what happened today when he described some of the challenges that are giving him a bit more difficulty, it was an example of him taking it in stride and being very mellow about it. Okay, a matter of fact, this is just the way it is. Okay, I got it. And not treating it like every single play is the Super Bowl and every single mistake is the end of the world. Just learning from those experiences. And that's something that even Pat Shermer reflected on. You know, that's an attractive trait that jumped out to them. You know, you just brought up David Cutcliffe and his tenure at Duke. Well, you know, one of the things that was brought to the forefront when they did homework on Daniel Jones was his ability to stay even keel and not get too high or too low from play to play. A few weeks ago, well, not a few weeks ago, last week, I should say, when Dave Gettleman spoke to the media, Paul, even one of the things that he mentioned, which was extremely appealing to them, when Duke would have a rough game and a wide receiver would drop a football, at the press conference, it's easy to say, hey, you know, if my guy would have made the catch, we would have maybe put some more points on the board. I could have made a better throw. You know, those types of things... That's a big part of playing quarterback. It's how you handle the environment, not just how you handle the X's and O's. How many times have we talked about Eli during his 16 years now here in the NFL and said, boy, he never makes an excuse and he never throws somebody else under the bus, ever. And Daniel Jones comes out after last season when his Duke Blue Devils led the nation in NCAA Division I college football for dropped passes. And what does Daniel Jones say? I had great receivers. Really? Really? Led the country in drop passes. I had great receivers. Enjoyed throwing to them. Because he gets it. Not going to throw teammates under the bus. Bad idea. And that's a quality that you're not always going to find. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You can also interact with us on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. We're going to get to your calls. We're going to get to your tweets along the way as we take you up till 2 p.m. Eastern. Let's get the festivities on the phone started. We check in with Coach Marvin, who leads us off in Delaware. Coach Marvin, how's everything? What do you got for us? Doing good. How you doing, Lance and Paul? Hi. Doing very well. Uh, I was there yesterday hoping to catch one of you, catch one of you guys out there. I did actually, Paul. Um, I think you guys probably were inside by the time I got there. Yeah, well, yeah. they had the lightning sirens go off. I don't know. It was about 15 minutes or so into practice. And the minute that those suckers go off, they've got to clear the field. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a safety issue. They don't have a choice. So they had to hustle the guys inside, and the, and the bulk of practice was in the field house. And, of course, the fans, unfortunately, who had come to sit in the bleachers, uh, had to go home. Yeah, those sirens also go off when people get too close to Paul Dottino, also Coach Marvin. So you should <laughs> know is, that. What that, is with this well, guy today? Listen, all I'm doing is just revealing the subtleties and facts well, that I know maybe one get thing. hit. That's all. Little guy like you is not going to be my bodyguard, oh, that's for sure. Well, you know, don't judge yeah. a book by its cover. That's all I will say, okay? The feistiness can be let out in certain moments. But yes, anyway, Coach. Let's, let's get to the subject at hand. What do you got for us, Coach? Uh, yeah, well, before I get to that, uh, I, I did get the thrill of sitting with uh, George Martin, and um, he uh, took a selfie with me, so that worked out. Fun. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, so it was good to see him. Um, the, the thing I had concerns of, what I wanted to see yesterday was I, I'm really concerned about the uh, wide receiver core. Uh, 
I, I just don't feel we have enough playmates in that in that position right now with uh, with uh, Sterling um, Shepherd down and the suspension of um, Golden Tate uh, of Golden Tate. Those really concerns me. Um, I really, I, I mean, it's fine to give the other guys the opportunity. But I just don't see enough playmakers in that core. And I don't know what happened with the Kelvin Benjamin situation. I don't know if you guys heard why he didn't take the invitation. Because uh, I didn't read anything on that to find out why he didn't come. I don't know if y'all heard anything on that. Well, I mean, the Giants don't necessarily release anything publicly in terms of who they invite or who turns down or whatever it may be. But, I mean, also just keep in mind, Kelvin Benjamin, you know, has been somebody that has dealt with some weight issues and also the lack of productivity you know, since he left Carolina. So, you know, I, I think the Giants, when they brought in individuals, they took that into consideration and who could come in and make an immediate impact. And that's a big reason why TJ Jones got an opportunity, as well as Amba Edatao, who was in camp last year and has familiarity with with the scheme and I think at this point when you're looking for bodies and you're looking for guys that are going to contribute in practice you know you can't necessarily take the luxury of maybe somebody that has potential and it may take them a few weeks to get going the, the clock is ticking right now yeah it is ticking and uh, I, I thought with the with Gettleman being here I thought he would have he probably would have gave it a shot and came and see if it could work out coming here um, well, with the with the Stephen Core, with the issues they have, I guess Ingram. Anyway, we know he's going to be a. Um, we need him to be a, a a big factor in this offense. And I don't know what you guys think. Um, I always thought Eli, when he was at his best, was when he was able to hit those tight ends running down those scenes. And maybe I'm missing something, but a lot of times I see Ingram's big plays are on crossing routes and things like that. Not not as much down the scenes. Have you, you guys seen any of that given the practice? I can't honestly say that I have seen a significant difference in Ingram's routes. Remember, he's missed a bunch of practices as well, not because of the hammy. That was back in the spring. During this summer camp, Coach Pat Shermer made it very clear. He's 100% and he's cleared, but they are measuring his reps. And consequently, he hasn't been out there a ton. So when he has been out there, you know, he's just looking like Evan Ingram. I haven't seen any significant changes in terms of his deployment. But I will say this to you. I do believe that it is going to be very important for Ingram to do well between the numbers, specifically between the hash marks. Because it's my opinion, against everyone who says he should be converted into a wide receiver and line up out near the boundary, I think that is a horrible mistake. Because his best case to mismatch against a defensive player is going to be over the middle. If you stick him out on the boundary, Coach, you're taking away half of the advantage that he brings to the table. Exactly, and I think the only and I agree with you on that. Now, I heard that uh, I think that was Friday or it might have been Monday. Um, people were talking about converting him to a, a a big receiver, and you do mess up the mismatches because what's going to happen is you put them outside the numbers. You're going to have some guys that are pretty good corners that are out there that will be able to play against them a lot easier than we think they can. Sure, coach, because they're going to use leverage and pin them against the sideline. Exactly, and, and I think what's the best thing for him if they're going to, and I, well, you know, you know what it is, is when you flex him out there, 
It's usually when you see them in a man-to-man. Mm-hmm. If they go man-to-man, and then I would like to see them flex them out a little more. I know New England does that, um, and and I knew um, back in the in the day, uh, uh, New Orleans used to do that. They used to have those tight ends that you could flex with Jimmy Graham, go yeah. man-to-man, and you get them outside with a linebacker, and that's a totally mismatch if you can get Ingram on a flex with a linebacker yeah but, but see uh, coach you and you know the difference the the flex pattern by putting them out there in motion and then letting them set up out there is a heck of a lot different than just saying go out to the boundary out of the huddle i agree totally but different once, once he once he comes out the huddle and he goes out there automatically and gets into the slot the, the defense will adjust of course they will so you, you gotta you gotta put them in a position to to win not in position where the defense got a better chance of defending him. And, and, and I would like to see that, those passes down the teams. I thought Eli was very, very good with Boss, Jockey, with all these types of tight ends. He was really at his best when he was able to hit those thing passes down the middle of the field. And I think that needs to be more um, in their offense, more than making him running those uh, crossing routes. A lot of times I see him in the crossing routes, obviously, if you're running a crossing route, automatically you're beating the defender because he's trailing you, and he's got to run through a lot well, of Well, I think they're going to move him around because of his versatility, and I think they're going to move him around even more if Golden Tate winds up having to serve his full four-game suspension. So it's all about Five. playing to the matchups. And remember, Evan Graham does have the ability for yak yardage. He has the ability for run after the catch. So you know, if yeah. some of the opportunities come off of crossing routes, I don't think that's the end of the world. But I get your point no, no. about the seam and, and that I think that they will look to expand that. But to Paul's point, and we'll let you go on that note, Coach Marvin, thanks for weighing in. I think they want to see how the matchups play out, and they also want to see him be on the field consistently before all of a sudden they dig deep and start experimenting. That, to me, is a big part of the conversation. Let's move along and head back to the lines, and we check in with Steve in Pennsylvania. Steve, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you have for us? Hey, how you doing, Lance Paul? Hi. Um, well, Talking about Eli, um, I'm, I'm hoping the Giants uh, do good by him since uh, his career was ruined for the past five or six years with no offensive line. And they extend his contract by two years because you got the rookie in there, and he could sit behind Eli another two years like Rodgers did with um, Brett Favre. Well, we've seen a number of models. Philip Rivers sat behind Drew Brees, too, for two years before he took over as the starter. And if Brees doesn't suffer the shoulder injury, who knows if Drew Brees winds up in New Orleans. That was a big reason why they let him go and he tested free agency. But I think a lot will depend on Eli Manning's production this season, You know what he's able to show, yeah. how the offense produces before the Giants start thinking about long-term beyond this year, how much they want to perhaps lock him up for. Yeah, because I, I honestly think uh, the Giants definitely owe him another shot at another trophy. Well, I think in an ideal world, you want to see somebody go out on a high note. But I think, Steve, in fairness, whenever you're running an organization, you have to weigh the short-term and the long-term pros and cons and to me you don't just reward a player because of what he gave to the organization I think of for example the Lakers you know they gave Kobe Bryant a deal because of what he did and then he didn't necessarily give them a lot of production because he was banged up I'm not comparing Kobe and Eli I'm just explaining that it's dangerous when the mindset becomes we're going to reward a guy for what he did five or six years ago as opposed to what he's going to do moving forward what he's going to do moving forward has to be the priority for any contract that is given out 
especially in a salary cap era. Oh, yeah, I understand that. But from what I've heard from him being at camp and his new training regimen, it sounds like Eli still wants to play and he's still playing at a high level. And I think both of those are fair takeaways. There's no doubt about it. But I think once it translates to the regular season, then I think there's more substance to the conversation about a contract that perhaps could be offered. But we got to see it first on the field. Yeah, true. And one thing, Paul, I used to be a colleague of yours for, uh, I don't know if I could say the name, North Jersey Media Group. <laughs> I was yep. there for 33 years, my man. 33 years. Yeah, I was there. I was there 29 years. I retired in 2007. My goodness. You know, and the funny thing about it, you know, uh, it's no longer the Borg record. Now it's the Gannett record. And I'm just going to yeah. make one little snide remark here. It's uh, not what it used to be. And I'm going to leave it right no. there. No, unfortunately, it's uh, all fake news now. Not like it was back then. Anyway, glad glad you called. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks for the phone call, Steve. Take care, guys. You got yep. it. Take it easy. See, I'm not the only one reminiscing about Paul Dottino and the impact that he has had on not just this organization, but the state of Jersey. It's <laughs> nice to see we're branching it out. I didn't know that we were going to get into so many different conversations. Well, you never know who's going to call. You don't. Well, I'm happy. You know? That's why I commend. Steve right now is in the lead for the best phone call on this program You notice I allowed you to handle the future of Eli Manning question. Because everybody on this program has heard me go through that particular scenario about five zillion times, and they know exactly how I feel about it. And I certainly believe that there is every single ounce of my body believes that uh, the window is open and the door is open for Eli Manning to come back in 2020 as long as the uh, circumstances are favorable. And I, I certainly believe that that's a realistic possibility. And I'm with you. I, I wasn't bringing up Kobe Bryant to say that the outlook for Eli Manning is not positive. All I was saying is the mindset, Paul, regardless of how you feel about Eli Manning, can't be, in my opinion, what our last caller Steve was inferencing, simply based on sentimental value. Okay? It's not oh, no. we're going to give a no, guy no, no, a contract no, 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 because no, 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 he's been here for 15 or 16 years. That's not what that this was is my about. Point. No, no, I'm not saying you were saying that, but that was my response. That's why I went the Kobe Bryant route. But if he continues to produce and the offense performs, then there's all the more reason and ammunition for the Giants to consider bringing him back and continuing to mentor Daniel Jones. Agreed. Let's head back to the phone lines. Len is in Columbia, Maryland, as we move along on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Len? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing all right, Len. What do you got well, I was part of that uh, postponement yesterday on moving the team indoors. Sorry. Uh, got there, had a great seat, uh, <laughs> ready to go, and the siren went off. But, oh, boy. Well, that's, that's, that's the way it goes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was the right thing to do. I mean, you can't, you can't fool around you with, that, with that kind of yeah. stuff. You don't have a choice. It's a safety yeah. issue. I mean, it's, that's just the way it is. Yeah, you don't roll the dice with something like that. Right, right. Um, you know, I did, I did see a little. It, it was probably even before the – actual formal practice started and uh you know they came out with throwing the ball around a little bit and so my binoculars immediately went to daniel jones and um I i'm i'm not a quarterback guru will will never say that i was or will be someday but the guy's got a very smooth motion um you know makes you believe there's not too much from a mechanical standpoint they're going to be able to teach this guy it's just whether or not he's going to be able to make the throws and, and pick up the playbook. Uh, but from the standpoint of, uh, I mean, uh, you know, the 12 to 15 
balls that I saw him throw yesterday, and it was really just in a pitch-and-catch situation. I'm not talking about anything formal here, but, mm-hmm. I mean, you could, you could, you could see the smoothness. Um, I mean, it's almost, it was almost like an instructional video watching him. It was a good Man. ball. I mean, Len, Len honestly, I, I, I find it very difficult for people who want to rip this guy to shreds, and there certainly have been those who, who did, uh, when you take into account all of the factors that he had to deal with at Duke, whether it be a horrible offensive line, whether it be the dropsies from all the receivers that he had, you know, the yeah. only knock anyone ever said about his skill set, okay, his yeah. skill set was, oh, he may not be able to have enough mustard on the long ball. Well, to this point, that question's been answered here at the Meadowlands, although, again, I caution you, he has not really had to throw in horrible, horrible weather or nasty, nasty Meadowlands wins outside of maybe one practice so far. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, physically, I, I think he's got all the tools. I mean, anyone who criticizes that part of his game is a fool. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, it's pretty evident. You you don't have to be an expert. You just watch him throw three or four times, sure. and you say to yourself, "Whoa, this guy, you know, he he knows he he has got the mechanics. He's, he's been well taught. I mean, there's no question about it. Yeah. And it just well, you know, we'll, we'll you know we'll have to see how quickly he picks up the playbook and uh, you know how jittery he is back there and whether he can make these throws. But um, you know, time will tell. You know, Lance, on the you know, I know we keep using the. You know, the example of, of, of Rogers and, and Rivers and things like that. But, you know, those were whole different situations and scenarios. I and mean, we were talking about playoff teams. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how long the Giants can wait on this thing. And I'm, I mean, we've got to find out whether this guy can play. And I'm, listen, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan. You, you, you don't, don't ever say anything bad to me about Eli. I'm, I'm a huge fan, but. You know, three and three and thirteen, five and eleven. I mean, you know, when we draft the quarterback at number six, uh, you know, we got to find out. Um, and I, I, I hope we don't rush him along. Um, but if, if it's not him, it's got to be somebody else. I mean, we can't fall into a fifteen-year pattern here like we did back in the sixties, Paul, sixties and seventies. You know, I mean, we gotta. I mean, we we gotta settle that quarterback situation. Yeah, but you also don't. But, hey, you don't listen, throw a guy great, out there for the sake of throwing there, it out there. Let me. You know, one thing. I, one thing I, I I did notice. Um, they were. You know, Rosas was out there kicking. Geez, you could hear the ball come off his foot. I mean, it's a damn explosion. It's unbelievable how strong that leg is. And you know, when they were warming up for kick, for, you know, for kicking field goals, it, it was kind of interesting. Lawrence was actually the right guard next to Diossi. Now, you know, here we are in training camp and so forth, and I don't know what that means long term, but you know, you got your you got your 17th pick in the draft playing right guard on the field goal team. I don't think there's anybody going to come through that, you know, that spot. <laughs> well, that's more of a reason <laughs> to blow yeah. But I wonder if that's going to be a permanent thing. The other thing that I thought was interesting on that same team, soldiers switch sides. Soldier went to the right side instead of being on the left side. Again, we're in training camps, sixth practice, seventh practice, whatever. A lot of things can change, but I thought those were those were a couple of things that were really, uh, you know, you know, really pretty interesting. And uh, I share coaches, you know, concerned about wide receiver. I don't know. Yeah, some guys are just going to have to step up. Um, but hey, listen, I'm sorry I missed it. It's always a great show up there, and. Uh, 
you know, let's this this Giants team. Um, we we, we got to see a lot of surprises from some of these guys, but I'm I'm staying optimistic. Let me let me say one other thing. Yeah, real you know quick. The hand, the, you know the handout that they gave us when we went in with the roster on it. Yeah, which obviously yeah. is invaluable. I mean, the thing is, <laughs> you can't tell anything. With, you know, with so many guys on, with 90 guys on the roster, um, outside of number eight, and number ten, and 26 with Barkley, but. Uh, you know, you need something like this. But, uh, you know, Lance, um, I, I was looking at this thing pretty closely from the weight standpoint, and I was happy to see um, th- that they had Baker at 189 pounds. You know, he was 192 at the Combine. He was 185 at Georgia. He was He's 190 on, uh, 180 on our website, on the Giants.com website. And I thought to myself, geez, that's awfully small. But they got him listed at one, one, 189. And, um, man, Evan Brown has put on a, a, a lot of weight, which I think he needed. Uh, you know, let's, let's not look past Evan Brown. I, I think that well, Evan Brown was play. on the roster last year. And think about it. Yeah. If, yeah. if they yeah. need yeah. a swing guard or an extra center, depending on how the competition yeah. plays out. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know, I'm, I'm I don't think you're you. going to keep a guy on a 53 if you don't think he can play. And uh, I think he, I think Brown is one of those guys that that falls into that situation. Um, but I was I was glad to see that some of those guys had put on some some weight, and I think I think with Brown it's going to help him, you know, possibly to make this team. All right, Thank Len, you, I appreciate the yeah. phone call. The Thanks guy so who has put on the most power and and bulk since last year is Lorenzo Carter. Um, he has put on, uh, I believe it's like eleven or twelve pounds of of flat out power. Uh, because he realized that that would be a bigger part of his game this year as he tries to do more attacking of the line of scrimmage. Uh, and also Spencer Pulley, as I have alluded to on this show yeah. many times before, has put on uh, a, a bit more than 10 pounds of muscle as well in his upper body. Those two guys come to mind immediately as to gentlemen who have bulked up, so to speak, because they wanted to become more powerful. Well, and Kevin Zeidler doesn't have to bulk up because he's a well-chiseled no. machine. No. So no, I no, think no, that's no, one no, guy no, that we no, don't no, need no. to break down and dissect the height. He is the, the Incredible Hulk, isn't yes, he? Yes, he's absolutely. He was actually out in the media session today with uh, his sleeves cut off again. And, boy, quite a physical specimen. Actually, he's more like Ben Grimm. It's clobbering time! Okay, on that note, I think we'll head back to the phone lines at 201-939-4513. I didn't know we were bringing Marvel Comics alive on today's program. You never know what you get on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Kyle is in Atlanta. Kyle, welcome aboard. What do you have for us? Hey, guys. Appreciate you taking my call. Hi. So, Thanks um, for I know it's never your favorite thing when callers talk about bringing back former Giants, but oh, with my. the receiver situation um, going on, I just always, you know, I really wish that they would take another look at Tavares King. Um, just, I'm myself a big Georgia fan, so I was always real biased, you know, towards him, but he always seemed super consistent, and, you know, in that Packers playoff game, he was the only one, only one of the receivers that did anything, and I never really thought he would be a one or two, but I always thought he would be a perfect fit for a three or four for the team, and especially now with so many people going down. So just wondering if you guys had any thoughts about him. Well, Tavares King was with the Vikings last year. Uh, Two things that are important to note with him. Uh, Keep in mind, King was here with the old regime. And, you know, when we talk about potentially bringing back players, and I'm not saying that you're guilty for doing this. Listen, a lot of people like to play this game, Kyle, but he has no ties to Dave Gettleman. 
Okay, he may have had ties to Jerry Reese. He may have had ties to Ben McAdoo. He has no ties to Sherman. He has no ties to Gettleman. So I think we got to be careful when we say bringing back players. If you still had the same GM, the same coach, and they had familiarity with that player, I understand the cause. The other thing with King was, and Paul, we saw this sometimes where special teams came into play when it came mm -hmm. to the 53-man roster, even to the 46-man roster, and you would not have him active because of the concern of whether or not he could contribute on special teams. So that's also a factor in how they play out the wide receiver game. So those are two things that I think are important to know. I'm with you. I think Tavares King, when he was here, was a productive wide receiver. I think he was a valuable veteran in the mix, but I also think that the Giants are moving forward. They're looking to develop some of the young guys, and they already have a lot of veterans in-house such as Russell Shepard and Cody Latimer, as well as TJ Jones, who they just added in. So I don't know if Tavares King, another veteran like that, is a huge necessity at this stage of what the roster looks like. He is currently a free agent, and the yeah. last item that I can find on him is that he did have a leg injury when the Vikings uh, let him go early last season. In so, October. And I don't have any details on what that was or how that may still affect his ability to play because remember something – his number one uh, facet was speed. Vertical threat. And, yeah. you know, if that leg injury has taken off uh, a couple of ticks from his, his 40 time, that's a big deal. Well, and here's the other thing. You mentioned he's a vertical threat. Now, I know Darius Slayton is still dealing with the hamstring injury, but, you know, this guts back to do you want to bring in a guy in camp that's going to then take away reps from the true vertical threat who you figure you're going to build your receiving core around? You know, that's the other game that I think you need to play. And, and I don't think, and appreciate the phone call, Kyle. Thanks so much for weighing in. It's certainly a fair question and a familiar name to Giants fans. As I see the roster right now, listen, do the Giants need a wide receiver to step up, Paul? Absolutely. From a volume standpoint, a numbers game, I, I think they're okay right now with who they brought in. I, I don't think they're in dire need of, if they don't bring in another body to play wide receiver, uh-oh, they're going to be in massive trouble here moving forward. I have a slightly different take on this. Oh, and you're without without yeah. Corey Coleman, who's lost for the season with the ACL injury, I don't see a speed demon amongst the wide receivers unless uh, Slayton well, but let's is, able, is able to get on the field and produce right away. Okay, He's been nursing a hamstring injury that uh, we don't know. He's out indefinitely. We, we don't know when he's going to be able to practice again. Remember when Odell Beckham got to the Giants as a rookie, he had a hamstring injury, Missed and it cost him half games. of a season, basically. You know, by the time he could really get into the flow. I mean, even though he was active the first couple of games, yeah, and the Falcons you know, they were trying to get him going. Impact, but yeah, but my point is, we don't know how long Slayton's going to be out of the lineup. And I think we both agree uh, his upside is, is pretty high. I mean, from the moment he got here, when he had some dropsies issues like he did at Auburn, he continued to improve and impress the coaching staff to where by the end of minicamp, they were raving about him. And so the sooner that he can get himself healthy and then practice and become part of this wide receiver rotation, the sooner the Giants will have the answer to that missing link that is the speed demon in the core. Right now, they don't have another one. That concerns me. Because if his injury lingers or should continue to aggravate itself over the course of time and he has to sit down, there's not another speed demon on this receiving core. So I would be very carefully scanning the wire to see over the course of the next month if another speed demon comes free. Well, be gets on waivers, to your point, is released. There's always a possibility. They claim six guys, remember, 
last year before the 53-man roster was finalized. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Giants make a few transactions after cut day on August 31st. And also, keep in mind, they didn't really have a speed demon last season on the roster because, let's face it, most of the veterans that are on the team right now were on the team last year, and none of them were necessarily speed Beckham demons. Beckham was a speed demon. Well, okay, but outside of Odell Beckham, I'm talking about. But the Th- point is you have to have one in your rotation. You can't go in to a game without any. That's not a good idea. Now, you, oh, you, you can do it. It's just not a great idea. I mean, does New England have a speed demon? Do the New England Patriots have a speed demon? I don't know what their 40 times are right now in the wide receiver depth chart. So, I mean, I get, I understand you want versatility. I don't disagree with you. I don't think it's a huge necessity because, remember, it's all about the effectiveness of that speed. Guy can be no question. very fast and he may not be able to catch the football. I, I may not be able that. to take advantage of I that skill set. So, to me, it's more of them getting a core that can execute and run the offense efficiently. I think that's what they need to do at this stage. And I'm looking at, if you want to play the numbers game at the wide receiver spot, I think they're right now leaning probably towards keeping six. I mean, based on what's happening. Yeah, I would agree with that. So if Golden Tate starts out on the suspended list, he doesn't count against the six. But let's just real quickly before we get back to phone calls. Okay, Sterling Shepard, I think obviously is a safe bet that he will be a part of that group. We're not telling you anything you don't know. Uh, Russell Shepard and Cody Latimer, Mm -hmm. I think, are very strong candidates to be Mm -hmm. in that group. Darius Slayton, I think that brings us to four. Betty Fowler. Okay, that's five. Mm-hmm. And now the final spot. Alonzo Russell, TJ Jones, Britton Golden, Amba Edatawa. Russell has, I think, made some strides. Tyke Tolbert talked about he needs to continue to improve on special teams, but he's made plays during practice. I think time will tell whether or not that transfers over to the preseason. TJ Jones just got here, but TJ Jones is a proven veteran. And Golden also was a veteran that's been with the Arizona Cardinals, unfortunately dealing with the groin injury right now. So, you know, that sixth spot is certainly up for grabs. And I should also mention Reggie White Jr., the undrafted player out of Monmouth, is another Mm -hmm. guy in the mix. So, you know, they have... Bodies. They have players that are going to have an opportunity to step up. I think what they do in the preseason is really going to separate maybe one individual from the rest of the pack at this point. Again, I, I think that it's important to have a speed demon who can at least pose a threat. The last thing you want, if you're the Giants, is to have all of these weapons but have defenses able to suffocate your guys because they're all going to play up and they're all going to cheat up because they don't think that you have anybody who can beat them deep. That's that's a recipe for disaster. And, and that's fair. I think, though, part of that equation is going back to one of the earliest calls we got about using Evan Ingram as somewhat of a vertical threat and getting him down the field a little bit more, and then maybe that changes how the defense winds up attacking you. So that's another way to counter that while Golden Tate is sidelined. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Let's check in with Brandon in New York as we move forward here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Brandon? Hey, what's up, guys? How's everything going today? Doing all right. How's things with you? What do you have for us? All right. right. uh, Just two things to say before I uh, finish up with a question that I can take off air. Um, One, I I personally want to thank you guys, Lance, Paulie Dutt, uh, Mr. Jeff Fiegel's and, uh, of course, Mr. John, you guys actually helped me get through my day at work and helped me get through my traffic from home every day. So thank you so much for You're that. You're very kind. Um, Thanks for and, tuning in. We appreciate and, that. And, and thank you thank you uh, as well. for um, You guys have also taught me a lot about the, the sport. I've been a big fan since I was born, in all honesty, but I've never got into the actual, you know, like uh, 
I don't know, actually understanding it rather than just watching it. My dad's a huge fan, um, and it all started from him. Um, quick, really, really quick. And he freaking has, I think, the best story to tell out of all Giants fans. He's a huge Giants fan, and my sister, his firstborn daughter, born right after they win the Super Bowl, January 27th, 1991. That's some crazy stuff. I'm really jealous of him. But, Double uh, celebration. I'll, I'll take it off the air really quickly um, after this. I just want to know, I know you guys are getting constantly um, asked, you're, you guys are constantly asked um, what are the chances that uh, Daniel Jones starts week one, which I think is ridiculous, um, or if he will even play this year. I honestly want to think, will you guys think it will be crazy that we would see Daniel Jones in a situation maybe week one if they're – let's say third and two, third and one, trying to run an RPO, and um, I'll take that off the line. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate you, and I'll continue listening. You got it, Brandon. Appreciate the phone call. I think the easy, simple answer is absolutely not. I do not foresee that. I do not foresee them using Daniel Jones as Taysom Hill <laughs> operates with New Orleans. And based on your giggling, Paul, I'm assuming that you're in alignment with my feeling. What do you think? Well, I think I guess right. That's what I think. And I think your silence and the chuckling uh, answers it right there. Uh, Daniel nice, Jones. Nice of the caller to, uh, to present a scenario that, uh, that needed clarification, and I think we've done so. Yes, I, I think that there's plenty of other guys on the roster that they could utilize, by the way, in a third and two scenario that they don't have to go and try to sacrifice their future quarterback under those circumstances. Let's head back to the phone lines. Jason is in Charlotte. Jason, welcome to the Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hey, how you guys doing? Hi. Doing well. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, yes we sir. Yes, sir. What do you have for us? Hey, so uh, the two potential uh, trade partners that I was thinking of, and both are uh, Cincinnati Bengals. A.J. Green is shelved with an injury, but he might be back before uh, Golden Tate. And um, John Ross is that speed demon who fell out of favor with Cincy, and he's, he hasn't done much, but he uh, would have a lot of potential to, to blow the top off of his offense here, or defense, uh, take it off the air and see what you guys think about those two. Well. Thanks. First of all, Ross is hurt. He's got a hamstring thing, and, well, and he's he, going to be out for at least a couple of weeks, he's right? He's hurt again, okay? Make yes. sure you use the term again. Yes. When, when John Ross is healthy, it will be a first. But anyway, go ahead and continue. No, I, I mean, that's my first thought. And, and the other thought is uh, A.J. Green's not going anywhere. They're not going to give up by far their best wide receiver on the roster. They just gave Tyler Boyd an extension. The goal is to have those two guys healthy and provide a one-two punch with Joe Mixon out of the backfield. Uh, John Ross, you know, the caller mentioned potential, but once again, what good are you if you can't stay on the field? And John Ross has not proven any of that. So I'd rather take my chances with an undrafted guy who knows my system than taking a flyer and giving up valuable assets, even if it's a late-round pick, to see whether or not John Ross can pan out. And also, you know, the whole point is the Giants want to build a receiving core that can operate either around Eli Manning in the short term or Daniel Jones down the road. In fairness, A.J. Green is a polished veteran who is now entering the second tier of his career. Why would you want to, again, give up valuable assets for a guy that is going to be entering the decline, not necessarily the prime of his career? It just doesn't make any sense. See, in light of the baseball trading deadline today, when he said he had some trades he wanted to propose, <laughs> I thought he was talking over... about the Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> well, Trevor Bauer is no longer an option as we carve out a little time to uh, break down the wheeling and dealing on the diamond. Yeah, it was in theme, to your point, with the baseball trade deadline, but uh, I just don't see that those are reasonable trade partners, specifically the Cincinnati Bengals. And let's face it, if the Bengals are looking for anything, they're looking for actually wideouts. They're not looking for draft picks. They need help at this point. 
They're losing those guys. They're dropping like flies. Also, Tyler Eifert, by the way, is on that team, the tight end, who has struggled to stay healthy. Before we go back to the phones, I, I just want to mention a sad note that uh, has come across Twitter, I guess, in the last couple of hours. Nick Bonacani, yeah. the Hall of Fame linebacker from uh, the famous Minnesota. Uh, Miami Minnesota, Dolphins. Minnesota, Min- yeah, Minnesota. Well, we the famous Miami Dolphins yeah. uh, teams under Don Shula uh, passed away today. And, you know, I know he's had uh, some health problems in recent times. And for those young folks who don't remember what an outstanding player that he was, and he certainly was, was the heart and soul of, of that defense, uh, he then became, with Len Dawson, the two figureheads for inside the NFL on HBO for, what, 20 years almost? Yeah, very long time. You know, and that was a program which was so critically important if you love the National Football League because – the, you know, NFL Network didn't exist in those days. And, uh, you know, yes, there was still ESPN, but they would go in depth and they'd have great feature interviews and they'd have some of the best NFL films footage and the mic'd up stuff. And it was just, it was a very important part of your week as an NFL fan, you know, 20 years ago to know that inside the NFL is coming, in on HB, coming on on HBO and you could listen to Lenny Dawson and, and Nick Bonacani. And they were just real guys who not only played the game but could relate to every guy sitting on his sofa. They, they really made it simple for you and, and wanted you to know that as a fan, you mattered and that this game was being played for you. And so uh, just uh, condolences to the Bonacani family friends and, and all the former Dolphins uh, teammates and people in the organization who came into contact with him because he was certainly a, a real personality and a benefit to national uh, the National Football League. Jerry Glanville, former head coach of the Falcons, also contributed to Inside the NFL. Yes, When you had Bonaconti and Dawson, and he mm-hmm. added a little bit more color to that program. But you're right. I, think, I will say this about Bonaconti. I, I think... His NFL career is actually a really small part, in my opinion, of the true impact that he's had on society. Well, consider the medical stuff. What he did in terms of research and funding for his son, who unfortunately was paralyzed Mm -hmm. in a circumstance that played out during his collegiate career, for him to dedicate his life to finding a cure to paralysis, you know, speaks volumes of him as an individual. He was an attorney. He was a broadcaster, as you brought up. Uh, There are many different areas to his impact and his life. Very little known fact. After the 1983 season, Bonacani was part of a group that actually considered buying the New York Giants. I did not know that. It did not it did not happen. Okay, it did not happen, but he was part of a consortium who was uh was uh in possible discussions for uh, for making a purchase and uh never did happen, but certainly interesting. And by the way, on a side note, before we return to the phone lines, if you have not seen the documentary, The Many Lives of Nick Bonaconti on HBO, I, I highly advise mm-hmm. anybody that hasn't to take a look at that because it really gives you a retrospect of his entire life, but, but also what he had to deal with in the years leading up to, unfortunately, his passing today at the age of 78 because you know he was starting to feel the true effects of his yes, football career. Yes, and, and let me make clear, when I say buy, I'm talking about buy a portion of the Giants. They weren't going to buy out the Mara family. That's never going to happen, of okay? I, I don't want to mislead anybody, but th- there was a group that wanted to buy a piece of the Giants, and Bonacani was part of that. 
Big Blue Kickoff Live, Wednesday's edition. So glad you could tune in. He's Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow. It's all presented by Coors Light. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Let's check in, unfortunately, with Charlie in Portland, Maine. Charlie, what's happening? Hi, Charlie. Hey, Paul. Hey, Lance. Hey, I got out of my bunker, so my phone should be working now. Oh, wow, that's good to know. <laughs> I actually, I'm just happy to hear that actually you decided to pay your phone bill today, which is a positive <laughs> step in the right direction for you. Hey, hey I just want to say about Bonacani. He, he was... I mean, he was a small guy, mm-hmm. and he wasn't a big linebacker, but he was tough, and he played smart, and he played fast, especially at that time. He was a pretty fast linebacker. So, um, yeah, he was a great guy, a great player, but more he was a great man for what he did and um, what he pursued, and he uh, had a big heart. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I appreciate that, Paul. Um, hey, I want to say that Wesley is out of uh, – Pop, he is uh, actually uh, he passes physical. Now, in, when he was in uh, Northern uh, Colorado State, he was actually a deep threat. He was the guy who flew down the field and made plays. He got a lot of touchdowns. So don't count this guy out as the guy who can uh, open up the uh, defense and uh, you know be the guy who's going to be sprinting down the field. Well, let's just say this right now, Charlie. He's quite a bit behind you know, the other guys being that he was on pop. And, and I don't know how quickly he is going to get his share of the reps now that he's just able to come back. Um, certainly he's behind the eight ball. Does that mean it's impossible? No, it does not. I mean, for all we know, he'll go out there and have four terrific preseason games and steal a spot on the roster. I'm not going to deny the man's opportunity, but I think if you're going to, if you're going to bank some high hopes on him, uh, he's probably one of the more, uh, how should we say, realistic underdogs or unrealistic underdogs who could earn a spot. Yeah, he's got a lot of hurdles to overcome. I he also, really does. Uh, you know, you mentioned you enjoyed watching him at Northern Colorado State. Personally, I really liked watching him at Northern Colorado. I didn't know that there was a Northern oh, okay. Colorado State. But you know what? The, the videotape that you saw, Charlie... I I didn't know Northern Colorado State had a football program, but I'm just very happy to hear that they've put up the structures and the stadium is ready to go. Well, I mean, listen, sometimes you bring new things to life here on Big Blue Kickoff Live that we learn about. I make you check things, Lance. You love to look at the computer, so there you go. But but to to Charlie's credit, okay, Charlie, I want to give you a little bit of credit here. amount of credit. Okay, I'm I'm going to call Lance off for just a minute. Uh, this is a guy who, over the last couple of years of his career in college, averaged over 18 yards a catch. So, yeah, exactly. So, so he did put up production at that level, and that's undeniable. Yeah. And, uh, hey, did, do they ever, you know, like, I know we brought a bunch of wide receivers in, and we ended up with Jones and, and the other guy that we had. Yeah, you say and... it with such enthusiasm, by the way, but go ahead. Yeah, continue. <laughs> Do they ever, you know, say who they brought in? Can't they just come to the list and just say, what are they, CIA? We can't know who they brought in to work out? Well, I mean, what good is it going to necessarily know if you know the seven or eight other guys, let's say, hypothetically, that they brought in? It's important to me to see well, who they passed yeah, up but, but the, No, but no, but see that. The, here's why, here's <laughs> oh, why no. there's no benefit of releasing that list, okay? And, and Tyke Tolbert, actually, I thought was very insightful on this. Mm-hmm. You weren't at the workout, Charlie. So I could give you a list of eight guys, and you tell me, oh, I recognize five of the names. I like these. Why didn't they sign them? For all we know, they weren't delivering during the workout because Tyke Tolbert was pressed upon who else was at the workout, not that he was revealing, and he said, T.J. Jones and Amba 
Edatao had a very good workout, and we signed the two guys who we thought were going to immediately make an impact, and the minute they got on the practice field, deliver. So once again, if I give you a list of five guys, you may know the names, but you weren't at the workout. So who's to say that they yeah, he, lived up to the name? But he also said, Lance, he also said that everyone we brought in had really good workouts. He did. He it did say that, too. Choice. That's correct. That's fair. Okay. Right? Yeah, he but did, no, some did, guys had better workouts, and those are the guys who were signed. Exactly. Charlie, you have to understand yeah. something. This isn't a casting call for a Hollywood movie <laughs> where name value gets the job. Okay? Know, it, it, that's not the way it goes. Do that? They just say, hey, we brought in this guy, that guy, this guy. And, and, and what, what purpose, what purpose, uh, I'm going to be fair with you, Charlie. What purpose does that serve except give you agita at night over the names who they did not sign? Well, right? It's good to know. Okay, right? well, so no, Charlie. it's not good to know because you want to complain about the guys that they didn't sign. Yeah, he just How's needs more material. <laughs> Charlie, tell me, tell no, me who. Look, I, I think Wesley, watch Wesley, Paul, because if uh, Slayer is uh slayer you know, slayton slayer slayton you know they're all the same but anyway go ahead yeah, yes slate yeah. i call him slate okay. but i mean if he still has a problem with his hamstring you know that could give this guy an opportunity to show what he can do so, i would be surprised if slayton does not stick somehow i mean even if the hamby doesn't come along right they'll they'll eye arm or something it's not like slayton's gonna go away I, b- I believe they drafted him with purpose and conviction right. Right. that he's going to be here in the building. Whether or not he's active or not depends on how the hamstring responds. But right. but don't think that Wesley's going to beat Slayton out for a spot unless Slayton simply can't physically perform. Right. Well, I agree with you, Paul. We need a deep threat. we got to open up the defense so they have to, you know, send two guys chasing this guy down the field or open everything up for Barkley. If we don't have that guy, you're, just what you said is going to happen. They're going to cover everything, yeah. and it, it's going to be harder to run our offense that way. So we've got to have some guy out there who can run. And, you and, know, uh, even a guy like Ron Dixon, if you remember years ago, yeah, you know, he wasn't the, wasn't the <laughs> most accomplished guy, but he provided that speedy threat that forced a defense to play you honest. The guy doesn't have to be a great player. He just has to provide some necessary scare, if you will, into a defense. Right, Right, I agree. Hey, you know, I just want another question. The uh, guy that we, you know, the shot putter that we've got as, you know, know, he's a project, as a guard. Yeah, the lineman. I I know who you mean. Go ahead. Wouldn't this guy be great if we just used him like a snacks and just put him in the nose tackle and just have him stand everybody up? Wouldn't he be better as a defensive tackle just to stop the run? It's in moments like this that I want to just remind the New York Giants fan base audience that it's a good thing that Charlie is not an assistant coach on the New York Giants coaching staff, and there's a reason that they allow true professionals to make these decisions. It's harder to be a guard than it is to be a defensive tackle. Well, you would know because you played both positions, Charlie. So if anybody knows, I mean, clearly it's you. Charlie, Austin Austin Drogsma has limited football experience as it is, and now you want to put him in an unfamiliar spot by putting him on defense? Of course. Why would you do that? Tell him, just don't let anybody through. That's all. Just block people. Oh, okay. Get the guy with the ball. Sounds like a great plan. <laughs> hey, Charlie, by the way, before we let you go on a much more important note, I, I have a, a big issue that I want to bring up here on social media yeah. with you. You uh, responded to a few of us on Twitter calling for the Giants to sign Akeem Nix, which is irrelevant to the subject. But <laughs> I, I found the fact that you copied 
word for word a tweet from somebody else and pasted yeah, I it. Just, I just copied well, that no, no, and no, no. just wanted to send no, no, it because he had a picture. Hold on a minute here. You know, he had a picture of there are certain standards on social media and Twitter because we know that there is so much insight on that forum that you should be following journalistic oh, standards when man. operating on that. I do not want to see you copy and paste somebody else's hardworking posts, photos, okay, and hashtags and just send it to us and then you take credit for it. That's on call for. I didn't take credit for it. Well, I was showing it to you because I, I just, I'm not the only all, one. Well, Lance, then you could have other credible people out there well, that think they should bring in Nick's to at least see what he's got. Well, but all That's I'm saying, I send it to you. Well, and all I'm saying is you could have taken the link from somebody else's tweet and copied it and pasted it, but you took the. <laughs> The easy way okay. out because you wanted to why take credit for it. Why do they have a copy button there? Why well, it's, you, got, you have right. to hone your skills when it comes to social media, and we'll let you go on that note, Charlie. As right, always, guys, you got you, Charlie. tremendous amount of insight out of Charlie in Portland, Maine. Uh, so much to take away. W- would you like to recap that phone call? No, but I would like to get yeah. to Twitter because sure. there is a comment I do want to get there as well. that has been made to us this morning, and I think it's very appropriate. A.J. Marshall uh, is mentioning that Corey Ballantyne, uh, the rookie corner, uh, continues to impress in training camp, he says, making a name for himself, whether it's an interception or a pass breakup. A couple of things I want to say about Ballantyne. He is very quick, lanky. He's got some length. Yesterday, he had inside leverage and came up with an interception down the left sideline, which was very, very sweet. It was on a ball that uh, I want to say Loletta threw. Yes, it was. And... Um, the, the coaches were very pleased with him on that one. He also had a pass breakup later on during the practice, which was very impressive when he closed, anticipated, and at the moment of contact did exactly what he had to do to knock the ball free. I think Fowler might have been the receiver, if I'm not mistaken. I think you may be right. So it was a really good day for Corey Ballantyne. Today, Coach Pat Shermer added that they may even consider using him on some kick returns. He is an exciting young man who has a lot of ability, who, when he spoke to the media for the first time the other day since the tragic shooting incident uh, that claimed the life of his best friend and also resulted in Ballantyne getting shot in the glute, I could not have been more impressed with this young man's demeanor, his maturity, his professionalism. Uh, He has had significant counseling from the Giants organization as well as friends and family members who have tried to bring him along to get past what was a horrific incident. He himself has said that he wants to make his best friend proud because his best friend was there every step of the way as he tried to make it into the pro ranks uh, and the National Football League. And so he stopped short of saying, I'm dedicating it to him. But he said, look, I owe it to him to go out there and to make this team and to have a pro career because he helped me every step of the way. He said he wasn't sure what he will do to honor his friend, whether it'll be something on his cleats or a wristband or a tattoo. He wasn't sure exactly what he would do. But he really seems as though he's got his head screwed on straight. He understands that the Giants have been patient with him and have done everything they can to extend him a helping hand to get through, again, a very difficult time. He appears right now as far as I can see on the practice field, to be a guy who was all business out there and putting his best foot forward. And quite frankly, I know it's very early and it's only been a few practices, Lance, but I like his ups. As a football player, for sure. As a man who impressed me with his character in the interview the other day, 
without question. And I'm rooting for him. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm rooting for the kid. Well, we were talking about Alex Wesley earlier, and I think Ballantyne's an example of a guy who played catch-up, right, because he fell behind. He wasn't with the team. And I think little by little, he's getting that much more comfortable because when you see him making plays like that, Paul, and he even spoke about this, what you were referring to when he addressed the media recently, it's starting to slow down a little bit because he has a better understanding of the defense. The veterans have helped him out. And I I think that we're starting to now see the results of the hard work that he's put in. You also brought up special teams. By the way, it's important to note, at Washburn, he was a key special teams player. He was. So, you know, it's not as if the Giants are now throwing him into a scenario that he wasn't necessarily exposed to. They just want to now tap into that. And I think also part of it is if Golden Tate misses four games, he would have been another option, by the way, as a return guy and on special teams. You lost Corey Coleman, Darius Slade in his sideline, Paul. He Mm -hmm. was also in the return mix during the spring, all the more reason to now introduce some new personnel in that department. He is uh, hes a very intriguing prospect, to say the least, uh, aside from everything else we've just talked about. If you just look at his physical skills, you know, he, he's, he's got terrific speed, and again, he's got length. And he doesn't seem to be overwhelmed at all by the deer in headlights look. You're talking yeah. about a Division II player. From Washburn, yeah. And I don't say, I mean, we say all the times that, you know, a guy who's coming up from FCS, for example, O'Shane Zimenez comes up from Old Dominion. How many people have said to you, oh, he's coming from a small school, coming from a small program. I don't know how he's going to adjust to life in the big city in the NFL, in New York, blah, 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 blah. Well, imagine what, what Corey Ballantyne must be going through, jumping from D2 Washburn to the New York football giants. You're talking about a Herculean step. And I didn't sense that he was nervous about it one bit. Well, the Giants have added a few players from smaller programs. Uh, Michael Strahan is a guy that I think comes to mind. Texas Southern. So there you go. And even. But well, that, that is at least still the one. No, I get that, and I'm not trying to make comparisons. I guess, I guess my, my point is, though. This is D2. It, it depends on, though, but see, that's why it speaks volumes, Paul, of the work he's put in. It really does. And the understanding of the scheme, because when you can make that type of a leap. And here's the other thing. I remember, because I had Corey Ballantyne on my Sirius XM NFL radio show during the draft process, Paul, and one of the things that I was talking to him about was, you know, when did it start to register, hey, you know what, just because I played at a lower-level conference – doesn't mean that I can't hang with the big boys. And you know what he said? When he went to the Senior Bowl and he started going up against wide receivers Mm -hmm. that were from the top-notch programs and he was able to hang with them, he said, hey, you know what? I belong here. I can be in this mix. So then you start to build confidence, Paul. And now I think his confidence is such a high rate that he's remembering how he succeeded at the Senior Bowl when he lined up against those wide receivers. So it's really nothing different at this And stage. once again, another piece of evidence that indicates the week of practices at the Senior Bowl against the elite seniors in NCAA football is much more telling and valuable than the combine. Yeah. Because that's also when the coaches are paying close attention too. Notice a lot of them don't stay for the game because they're more concerned about your work ethic during mm-hmm. practice and your one-on-one battle. So I think that says a lot as well. All right, that is going to wrap up Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Certainly appreciate everybody for tuning in. The callers as well, even Charlie, once in a blue moon for a few <laughs> chuckles. 
It's all presented by Coors Light. You want to remind the audience about MSG tonight once again? Training camp live, 6.30 to 7.30 tonight on MSG Networks and, of course, the MSG Go app. One complete hour of Giants coverage. All right, that is going to do it for us once again. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. We'll speak to you tomorrow, and always stay locked right here to Giants.com. Have a good one.